Chapter 8 The Vampire Life 1988 Birmingham, England, United Kingdom There are moments in a person's life that everybody recalls better than others that people recall the details of with such clarity of memory that you could almost mistake the memory of something that happened a long time ago for the memory of something that took place the day previous. I've had many moments like that, and one of those moments took place on the 14th of March 1988, when I was sitting behind the desk in the study of my mansion home, and about to begin writing a new poem. I did not initially know what the subject or the title of the poem that I was about to write would be, but I just had this instinct that whatever I did end up writing would be something seminal. However, that day I did not write a poem. I wrote something considerably longer, that which grew organically in length until it became the first book in my Vampire Spirit series of books, and I did not stop writing until I had finished writing the entire manuscript of that book. I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote, without rest and without putting down my pen for a moment, four days straight, from morning to night and from night to morning and so forth until I finally had the 500-page manuscript of a book sitting on the desk in front of me and all written in longhand. And after I was finished writing, and I finally put down my pen, my right hand was literally shaking uncontrollably, and quite frankly, I was in an utter state of overwhelming delirium. I was, however, also in a state of near ecstasy, because I was absolutely enthralled and ecstatic by what I had just finished writing. The stream of consciousness, imagination, memory and creativity that I had just captured. And then, after I read through some of what I had written, I stood up from my desk. I left the handwritten manuscript of my first book where it was. I went to my bedchamber. And then I climbed into the oak-crafted vessel coffin that I had personally built for myself with my own two hands. I laid down and then I rested for seven days straight. A week after I climbed into my vessel coffin, I was awoken by the sound of tapping, and almost immediately I pushed open the lid and I came face to face with Vincent, who at the time was a loyal lieutenant of mine, who calmly said to me in a hushed tone of voice, Your Majesty, please excuse the interruption, but you have a telephone call. The caller said that they urgently required your attention. No, why were you sleeping so long? Nor any mention of how much time had passed since I stepped into my coffin vessel. Simply, you have a telephone call. And to which I replied without hesitation, Thank you. And then I slowly sat up in my coffin, I stood up and I proceeded to go over to my desk, where the 500-page manuscript that I had finished writing just before I stepped into my coffin still remained, untouched and now with a thin layer of dust covering the title page. I immediately noticed the slow red flashing light on the telephone that sat on my desk indicating that I had a call waiting to be taken, and without any further hesitation I picked up the telephone receiver, I pushed down on the button next to the red flashing light, I held the telephone handset up to my ear and I listened for the voice who was on the other end of the phone line. Hello? I said into the mouthpiece of the telephone handset after a few seconds of not hearing the voice of anything nor anybody. Vega? 
said the voice on the other end of the phone call, which was slightly distorted and crackly. However, it did not take me long to identify who it was who was calling me. Ophelia. I had not heard Ophelia's voice since I had banished her, following the events of her attempted coup against me two centuries before, and the last time that I had thought to inquire about her whereabouts, I had been reliably informed that she was now living in New York City in the United States of America. However, as for what she had been doing for all the time she had spent away from me and the vampire life, I had no idea. And it was the not knowing of what she had been doing and with whom in New York City that concerned me the most, because the fact that I was now hearing her voice after so long begged me to ask the question, why was she contacting me now? This is me. Is this you? I asked, as I turned to stare out of the window to the bright daylight outside, while still continuing to listen intently for any and every word that Ophelia spoke down the phone line. Yes, my king, it is I. It has been a long time. How have you been? asked the voice of Ophelia. Well, well, and you? I replied. Well, well. However, I must admit that the last hundred years or so have been somewhat of a roller coaster ride, if you understand my meaning, replied Ophelia, who I could tell from her voice sounded almost jovial. Good to hear, I replied with a slight smile and a nod of the head, even though in truth I was not at all delighted in the slightest. Yes, yes. However, at the moment I must admit to have found myself in a bit of a pickle, as some people sometimes say. You see, I and this mobster, a member of one of the five organised crime families of the New York Mafia, have gotten ourselves into something of a disagreement. And now, unfortunately, this mobster wants me dead. He doesn't know who I am, nor what I am, but he wants the money that I stole from him and his family back, and I am powerless to stop him. If he finds me, which I know he's going to do, he's going to kill me, and that is why I am calling you now. I... I... I need your help. Please, Your Majesty. I beg you. Now she calls me? After all this time? What does she want with me? I thought to myself. Does she actually think that I believe her? That I could ever believe her? And that I would ever help her in any way after what she tried to do to me? Then Ophelia said something that immediately caught me off guard and instantly captured my attention. He... he... He has our son, V. He has your son. Your blood. You have to help me save him. They're going to kill him. Our son? I asked with genuine surprise in my voice, as I quickly turned around from looking out of the window to look into the wood panel wall on the other side of my bedroom. Yes, my king. We have a son. You have a son. I'm sorry that I did not tell you before now, but I was genuinely afraid to tell you about him because I feared that you would kill him as you threatened to kill me, Ophelia explained. At the time, I must admit that I was in a state of both shock and elation, all mixed into one. In shock because I had just been told that I was a father, and elated because I 
because since I was a child, I had always wanted to be a father. From the moment that Ophelia told me that I was a father, my judgment was immediately impaired and my mind was clouded with thoughts of infinite possibilities, and from then on my actions were those of a man, any man, who was desperate to meet the son that he had always wanted, but who he did not know existed before that moment. There were several seconds of silence between Ophelia and I before I said, as calmly as I could, I'm on my way. <laughs>